It's been a hiatus, but welcome back to the Rodeo Adventure Labs podcast, episode six. I am joined by my co-host, Steve, the intern, and today we have the guest for you, the long-awaited and most acclaimed Evan Christensen. Welcome. Can Can I just start by saying thanks for letting me be on this podcast with you guys, because you almost recorded it yesterday without me. It just feels good to be wanted. Duty called, though. <laughs> Had to leave. Okay. Evan, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, it's an honor and a privilege to make it to the Rodeo Labs laboratory. Is it really an honor? Uh, is it? I don't know. You've seen behind the curtain now. Yeah, I've seen behind the curtain. It's a totally different company now. Yeah. It's not that cool. Mostly dads, except for Jen. <laughs> <laughs> I like how I got lumped into that, but uh, congratulations on your impending child. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, Evan, you're you're kind of a, a van lifer, so to speak. You mm-hmm. have a you have a Chinook called Albert, and and you actually aren't from Denver, but you happen to be visiting Rodeo HQ in Denver. I'm squatting in Rodeo's headquarters right now. That's yeah. accurate. That is an accurate statement. Mm. I've lended you towels. <laughs> I've stolen so much food from you. Um, but, you know, it's it's van life. And so what brought you to Denver? Um, why, are, why are you here? Steve has a question. I have been raising my hand. Um, we need to intro Evan. So anyone who's bought a bike from us recently has probably spoken to Evan. Uh, Evan is our primary point of contact for customer service stuff right now. Uh, and how long have you been repping rodeo? I bought my flanimal last spring break. Yeah. So it's been like a year and a half now. And then how long have you been working and doing things for us? Since coronavirus. So cool. Yeah. So decades, (laughs) which is a lot of how we tend to hire people around here is we tend to hire people who've somehow come into orbit and then said hello and do we have a job um and evan clearly we can get into that knows a lot about bikes so he's been helping a lot of people spec and build bikes which is super fun um so anyway i just people may be wondering why are we talking to evan evan was first a flanimal owner uh who we didn't know from anybody else and had never met and then became uh, an employee. I saw the bike on Reddit one day and then bought it the next day. It's amazing. Yeah. And we delivered it within two weeks. Within two weeks. Which, which now amazing. being behind the curtain is in, it's a, it's a miracle. It's a, it is, I is because we knew he had to. So, um, anyway, now he's working with us. You live in Albert, which mm-hmm. definitely needs to be expanded on. Yes. Uh, well, I also think then part of the preamble, what's f- the running joke at rodeo is that Evan rode his bike too much. 
So Rodeo had to give him a job. <laughs> uh, he he just kind of kept going on adventure after adventure on that flanimal, and it just could not stand. Are we going to hire Jay after this now? <laughs> yes. <I> mean, <laughs> well, you jump your bike too much, but that's also a whole completely different conversation. So he rides his bike too much and jumps it too much. Um, just trying to break it. Just trying as hard as more you can more, to yeah. cleave it in two. Um, so, yeah. Um, so you kind of you came to a realization that a bike kind of sometimes represents the personality of the owner. Yeah, that was last night's um, realization from your wife. Thank you very much. And, <laughs> and, <laughs> Shout uh, out, Aaron. Uh, so you kind of came into the rodeo sphere mm. through, through the flanimal. Mm. Uh, and so, so why the flanimal? Why did that jump out to you? Why did you enter the rodeo sphere? The, the whole reason I got the flanimal is I was going to Morocco for a bikepacking trip. And the bike, I had a like my crit racing bike. I was racing crits at the time. Couldn't put a saddlebag on it because it had like one of those carbon specific aerodynamic seat post things. It was seat mast. Yeah, seat mast. Yeah. Exhaling. Yeah. <laughs> so ridiculous. And so I saw the flanimal and it had a round seat tube that I could put an aluminum seat post in. And I liked the paint and that was it. Also, I want to add that we were definitely your second pick. Um, oh, I had a bike on the way too. Yeah, yeah but it yeah. was just delayed and delayed. So, yeah. so you didn't even like us that much. You had a custom bike yeah. that you had ordered and were expecting, and as it turned out, shocker uh, was, was going to be late. Mm-hmm. And then you were like, "All right, Canceled since I can't it. have my first love, what other also rans are out whatever. there? I guess I'll go with that. I just laps, take literally whatever, whatever I can get yeah. in time, and that's where we come in. I was pretty picture. apathetic about this bike when I ordered it. No, I." I love being that part of your story, mm. <laughs> but I, I feel like I see the bike now and now that I know your personality, I think it's like one and the same. Yeah. The, well, I think my, the way I rode really changed after I got the bike, um, which is kind of a weird thing to say. I mean, I grew up riding gravel roads on 23 C road tires. Um, but having that thing and then making it flat bar and taking it in really crazy places, like it's just so versatile and so capable that it just kind of pushes you to do more. And so I just kind of like doing more and more. And then I guess the point where it was like, I don't know if I'm out biking the bike, but now I just like doing that. I think it's safe to say that you're out biking the bike. <laughs> what I love about you is you won't um, sugarcoat anything. Um, you clearly have moved on to wanting a mountain bike. Yeah, I want a mountain bike again. Uh, and that's totally fine yeah. with us as well. So going from also ran second place pick to I love it for a little while and now you're on to I think I need an even more capable bike. Mm-hmm. That's all totally okay. It's getting thrown in the trash at some point. Oh, well, maybe that hurts me a little I want bit. Some, I want it to be wall art here. That's what we need more of. <laughs> so you took it to Morocco. So took it to Morocco like... I, I took it on one ride in LA, maybe two, and then put it in a box with 25C, no, 28C tires, wow. and then brought it into the Atlas Mountains and got thoroughly shattered, yeah. like really messed up, um, ran out of food and water and double flatted in the middle of nowhere one day, rode, I think, 130 miles a day for 10 days. Wow. I did a lot. Yeah. Wow. I, did I didn't a lot realize of that there. trip was that long. Yeah, I did. Uh, well, I started in Portugal. So I did Lisbon all the way down the coast into Spain, down through Spain, took the ferry across into Morocco, and then to Marrakesh. Flew out of Marrakesh. And you had, am I right, uh, to cover a certain amount of distance 
by a certain point to make the flight. So it's yeah. to get really tense. Yeah, I had to get back to class. I missed like two days of class. And were you a bike packer person of any type? Before? Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it wasn't bike packing. I've always done bike touring. So I started when I was 17. I was out racing with my team in Belgium. We did like a camp out there. And then they all went home and I had some family in Spain and uh, my best friend flew out and we rode from Brussels to Madrid. So I put a backpack on and we stayed at some hotels. And we did, I think, 1,400 miles that time in two weeks. That was pretty cool. Like through the Alps, through the Pyrenees, that was super fun. So you, you've been going from point A to point B on a bike yeah, for a while. I'd figured it out. Yeah. So this wasn't a big thing. Um, and then I did with him, we did Italy the next or maybe two summers later. That was pretty cool too. This time I put bags on it, but also like no camping. I was like really opposed to camping for a long time. I was like wearing designer clothes and <laughs> staying in nice hotels with this guy. It was weird. And then got this flannel and now I, I live in a truck, shower in lakes and... <laughs> How long has it been <laughs> since you've done an interval? Oh man, like, oh, okay, well, done it, it, attempted an interval or finished an interval? Because those are two very different things. Oh man, I feel like attempted. Attempted an interval? Oh, I went, I raced road nationals last year. Last year? Collegiate road nationals, oh, yeah. Okay. And it sucked. It was miserable. And I think I tried to do two intervals before I left. Uh, and I didn't finish either of <laughs> them. So the bike has had a terrible effect on you as, yeah. as a disciplined upstanding cyclist as an athlete yeah yeah i think the motto is five minutes slower but i think we slowed <laughs> down a lot more than hours that, that hours doesn't even slower. count the time yeah. that you've spent broken down in your truck uh oh yeah like, days yeah. days slower in so that many sense. yeah so you took it to morocco i remember mm. reading about that and people can read about that and that's on, right yeah that's on bikepacking.com and then on my website yeah. Which is just my name. Which is evanchristensen.com. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, There's so they can see your own, your own writing, your unfiltered thoughts. Yeah. They're uh, pretty dirty. Where else? Yeah, it and didn't stop there. <laughs> didn't stop there. Oh, nothing else comes to mind. Okay, so then I did my first bikepacking overnighter, like camping, got some bags in L.A. And then that week flew out to Uganda for six weeks by myself. Which is a pretty big send. Um, I've never met anybody who's done something like that. Just get a plane ticket. Did you have a plan? Did you have your route? Did you know what was, you know, what, what causes a six week? Just what causes a six week is you have the time. Yeah. And I had a little bit of money, just a little bit. I did a couple shoots beforehand, so I had a little bit saved up and then, uh, yeah, classes were out. I didn't have a job or an internship or anything. So just so you know, on social media, following along, I at this point had decided that you were definitely a trust fund brat. Because I was like, <laughs> has a custom bike, canceled it, impulsively buys another not cheap bike right away, goes to Morocco, comes back, I don't know what. All of a sudden, he's in Uganda for six weeks. So clearly, this kid doesn't have any responsibilities and he has the money to travel. So I have, I have very little responsibilities. Um, I am very, very fortunate. I, my grandparents helped me out with like college and whatnot. Um, but anything I make on the side, like I kind of get to do what I want with. And if you do four photo shoots, you can go to Uganda for a month and a half. Cool. It's pretty cheap. It's good to know. Yeah. FYI. Um, so went out there and yeah, got pretty dirty, (laughs) 
got pretty lost in the dirt. I still don't really have a sense of what that trip was. So what that so the trip started with coming back from Morocco, being all stoked on like, oh my god, I just went to Africa. That was amazing. I don't know if you had that same feeling. I did. But then you kind of read a little bit, and you're like, I didn't really go to Africa. I went to like a small asterisk of it. A pretty nice part of it. Very beautiful, incredible place. Yeah, but as Western as you want it to be. Yeah, it can be very Western. Uh, or as non-Western as yeah. you want it to be. In the be. Atlas, but it's You can just turn the dial on like how comfortable or uncomfortable mm-hmm. you want to be on, on a trip in Morocco yeah. from four seasons on a cliff somewhere and ride around in helicopters to just like getting super dirty and sleeping in, you know. I feel like you can do that anywhere nowadays, though. Could be. Yeah. So came back and was like, well, I feel like I have some sort of duty to myself to actually, like, understand what that place is more like. Um, And then bikepacking actually has the Trans-Uganda route that's pre-existing. And it's, I think it's 1,400 miles around the center. It's like, it's a loop, but doesn't go the entire um, periphery of the country. So I took that route and then talked to some people out there and they gave me some ideas on how to extend it. And so I extended it all the way to the northern region and then all the way to the south, would that be uh, west corner too, all the way down into like Congo basically. Mm. Um, And I did, I think, I mean, I didn't really record it. So I'm just kind of guessing off of my map, like something like 1800 miles. I added a couple hundred. 1400, yeah, definitely wouldn't be ambitious enough for me. No. Totally have to add more on. <laughs> yeah. It's too easy. Uh, yeah. So it was a it was a crazy trip. I started with a guy who lives in Kampala and rides mountain bikes out there a little bit. And we rode together for a week and a half. Um, and we kind of got to a point where we were arguing a little bit too much. And I was waiting too much for him. And so I, I bought him a bus ticket and I finished the entire route by myself. It's a weird flex, but... It, it wasn't to flex. It was like uh, at some points I had a desperation. Like I wanted to finish the route in time. I had to get back to school once yeah, again. Yeah. Like Morocco, I missed some class and I didn't really feel good about that. Um, so, yeah, it was hard. The The biggest thing that was hard about being out there is just the, the mental stress of being alone for five, six weeks. And then on top of that, being yelled at and screamed at and prodded at. I had rocks thrown at me. I broke down in the middle of nowhere i was like brought into jail one day like questioned by police why uh because i didn't apparently he didn't have all my passport stuff in order i had to bribe an immigration officer with a hundred dollars one day wow we'll edit that out (laughs) will we no (laughs) (laughs) yeah it was um there was a lot that kind of like hit the fan and recurringly and you know and like i'd never been bikepacking before i broke a shifter in the mud and this is usually the part where you say, what a beautiful country, and everybody was so friendly and Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll get to that. I'll okay. get to that, too. Yeah. Um, no, it was hard. Like, I broke down on the side of the road crying a couple of days. Like, this is tough. Um, but, yeah, epically beautiful country, amazing mountains, super incredible wildlife. I had the honor to do some of those, like, safari treks and went and saw the gorillas in the mountains and met this really cool family that brought me into their truck for some of these national parks. And we got to like, uh, tour with some of the wild animals and in Lake and national park, you can ride your bike through the national park where all the animals are. And mm. you come around the corner and there's like a pack of a thousand zebras that start running with you while you're on your bike. And it's sounds memorable. It's epic. And then you get to like walk around with the giraffes and all that. I haven't seen any photos of any of this stuff. So as far as I'm concerned, 
It's all fabricated. <laughs> it's all, total lie, Evan, yeah. Evan is a photographer. If there's no photos about it, then, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I just lost my Adobe login, actually, and I can't find my photos anymore. <laughs> so if Adobe's listening to this, can I get an email? Well, I don't remember when I was picking up scraps of what you were doing through social media. I was like, this is the coolest thing anyone's ever done on our bikes for sure. So it just stuck out to me. So we have to give them a job. No, that didn't happen for a long time. But clearly, like, you earn your own credibility when you go do really silly stuff on a bike. And nobody can, like, you form your own opinions about, like, what gets you to the end of the ride. Yeah, you you make me out to be really picky. Yeah, you are. Yeah, but I just, I know what I like now, right? I've been riding since I was five. I haven't ridden across. Have you ridden across Uganda? I have not ridden across <laughs> Uganda. Oh man, that's, that makes two of us out of three of us that have yeah. not done that. 66%. Um, so yeah, crazy trip. But I don't know. I mean, there's a lot to say about it. I, I think it's it's interesting that, I don't know, I guess what would stand out to you about bikepacking? Because I think for me, and I, granted, like major asterisk, have not done a lot of bikepacking, <laughs> but I think... Nick and I went bikepacking last night, uh, last weekend. I think I've I've seen a lot of, you know, the the ups and downs that you can have mm-hmm. in, a tri- in a trip like that, yeah. you know, and I think maybe going on a massive six-week trip, that experience is magnified, like the ups and downs are yeah. higher. You're going to be riding next to zebras. That's probably an all-time high, but like yeah. breaking your shifter and, you know, being broken down on the side of the road, like that's probably a low, but like what, what keeps you going back to it? Cause it seems like you keep going back to it. I do keep going to back it. to it. Yeah. I've, uh, I did eight bikepacking trips this year already. I'm pretty stoked on that. Um, I mean, that's, that's kind of an impressive number. I, I mean, <laughs> weird flex again. But whatever. Weird flex. <laughs> I don't know. Well, one, it's like, once you get into it, it's a really cheap and easy sport to do. But yeah, once you get into it, I remember when I was gearing up for Morocco, I you're was like, like, oh my this God. sport is so expensive. Yeah. Every little ultralight widget you try and add to your bike is just, it's just dollar signs, dollar signs. I'm sure there's ways to do it. Yeah, more you get around it, but you just don't buy the ultralight stuff. Well, I just, I'm sorry to admit this in live radio. It's not even live. It's pre-recorded. I bought stuff on Alibaba <laughs> because I couldn't afford a $600 tent. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not sorry. I don't know. Like I, I carry all the budget stuff from REI basically, and it gets you where you need to go. The bike's another ten pounds, but I kind of like the weighted bike. I like the way it rides. You said it rides like a noodle. Yeah, it rides like a noodle. It's amazing. You can like load it into the corner and feel it flex. It's so fun. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, the good news is when you buy all this stuff, you generally can just like on a dime spin and go out on it yeah for just, sure like, snap your fingers grab some food yeah so that's been the thing this summer is having my truck and driving around the country and like stopping somewhere parking it and loading up the bike and going from there you know we went all the way up california oregon washington montana bike packed so many beautiful national forests through all the whole place and all those places and yeah one i think the ease of it is amazing but yeah once again it is super difficult but you, you know, with weekenders, you can really make a bikepacking trip what you what you want it to be. Like, I'm not going out and riding 15 hours a day to go do 200 miles a day. I'm not trying to set any records. Like, this summer, it's been all about swimming and fishing. and That's definitely something I've learned with the very little bikepacking I've done as well, is that don't try to cover 
a hundred miles a day. Yeah, no way. It's impossible. A day. I was like, I don't know. What would a good number be? Probably for me, maybe 50 would be where you could actually get to your campsite while maybe it's still light and, I don't know, have a campfire and enjoy some, yeah. instead of like, oh, it's 1130 at night and I'm starving and I got to get this 10 up and then I got to get up at 6 a.m. and get going again tomorrow. You don't want to do that. Mm-mm. I mean, maybe you do, but we can't hang out. Uh, <laughs> so like, don't be so aggro when you bike pack. And the racing thing's different. But yeah, the racing thing's totally different. Yeah. I'm learning that. I had, I had like, as a non-dyed-in-the-wool bike packer, completely and just total misconceptions about what you should endeavor to do when you do these kind of things. And the more I've done it, which isn't a lot, but the more I do it, the more I'm like, nah, back it off, back it off. Just have fun. So... We were in Montana one weekend. We ran a route by one of my old teammates that lives up there now. He's like a pro roadie. And it was like a 130-mile weekender, which was pretty ambitious for us all summer. Like we'd been in like the 100 to 110-mile weekenders. He's like, oh, are you just going to do this in a day? (laughs) And I I laughed so hard. I was like, no, we're going to take three days and camp and swim and all this. And I don't know. It was just it's a whole different approach to a route and planning around what you're going to do. And, and I think bringing the fly rod on the bike this summer too has been really fun. I really enjoyed that. So I don't know what, what brings me back to bike packing again and again is like how every time it's different, but you can always pull out the really great parts of it. Like the sunset rolling into camp. Um, I think riding a single track on a loaded gravel bike is one of my favorite feelings ever. Like it's, I, it's totally akin to just being on a wave. It's just the way it flows is so fun and flexes. Yeah. Super noodly <laughs> so good. wet pasta. And, uh, I don't know, like, and then now once you get good enough at it and which isn't really like that good, you get, it goes from you're going places to go bike packing to you're going bike packing to go places. And that was like a saying Ben and I came up with that we really liked, like, like this weekend, we're going to go bike pack because we want to go see all the Lost Coast and we can't do, we can't hike it all in one weekend. We can't drive there. Like, you know, things like that were really cool. And oh, whoa, there's Chinook helicopters out the door. It's common, common here. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, what is that sound? <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. It's going to mess our audio. Michael, cut that out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I think, you know, we've, we've had a lot of conversations. Um, over the couple of weeks you've been in Denver at this point. And I think one of them that, that really stands out is just that the bicycle is, is a really important vehicle. If you want to immerse yourself in a place, Yeah, you know, if you are just, I think there's nothing wrong with road tripping. I think road tripping is awesome in a mm-hmm. car, but you're not, you just don't see the places intimately, you know, you don't meet as many people, you know, and yeah. you've talked about that a lot where like you've rolled into a place and people are like, you've almost used it as a distance metric. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. Where, like, I love this. People one. are like, you know, well go ahead. You, <laughs> the, the, the bike packing distance metric per day is in the morning you talk to somebody and they go, where are you going? And you go, Oh, I'm going to, I don't know, Fez. And they go, Oh my God, on a bicycle. That's crazy. And in the middle of the day, it's like, Oh, you're going to Fez? Like, that's crazy. Where are you coming from? Oh, you know, Marrakesh. Oh my God, that's crazy. And then by the end of the day, it's like, you're going to Fez. Like, that's right down the road. Where are you coming from? Oh my God, that's crazy. So it's like, you get this whole spectrum of it as you go throughout the day. It's, it's kind of fun. You always know how close you are to camp. Yeah. But I mean, people just kind of, 
I don't know. You, it stands out. You know, people are like, what is that person doing? You yeah. Know? Yeah. I think, well, the difference between the bike and the car is obviously the pace, but also like not having a big pane of a window between you and the world is like a factor people don't really realize sometimes is you're not insulated from it anymore if you're just completely involved in it and then when you're breaking down in it or you're stopping in markets like the best thing about bikepacking through a foreign country is instead of just going and seeing the highlights like you are forced into the regular everyday parts of it you're into roadside markets that normal people aren't stopping in and you're going into these small towns and you know you're chasing uh something around the corner for a photo or something and you and i think it fills out the total picture of what a country is and what it looks like and what it represents in the culture so that's always something I really appreciated. That day I broke my shift during where I don't even remember where I was. I was in Jinja. I had to hike two hours to then take a bus. No, to take a taxi that had 15 people in it and a goat. Uh, just one. Yeah, just one goat. Eight hours to then go take a bus that was crazy overloaded, which was probably one of the most stressful experiences of my life. 15 hours back wow. to Kampala to then go ride this bike that I couldn't shift around the capital to go find the only 11 speed shifter they had still in the country. It was ridiculous. So I will never tour with 11 speed hydraulic again. Yeah. You're going to go to eight speed. I don't don't know. I haven't thought about it yet. Okay. DI (laughs) two. Just double down. Well, you know, you can't break a wireless shift cable. Ooh. So maybe just AXS. I think I'm going to go that rotor hydro. Yeah, you can always get brake fluid. <laughs> Actually, that was Cooking that was oil. one thing, uh, a tip I picked up. I was really curious, you know, how Evan was, was cooking his meals uh, and why he chose the stove he chose. Ooh, my Trangia. I love my Trangia. And I thought it was interesting because in Uganda, you just went and bought nail polish. I, no, not, no, nail polish remover. Oh, uh, yeah. So uh, <laughs> the stove I use runs like a heating, a cooking element that you just have to pour alcohol into. That's more than 100 proof. And, you know, you can't count on finding butane in some places. So you can find nail polish remover anywhere. Really? Yeah. It's a global phenomenon. It's a global (laughs) phenomenon. That and like Coca-Cola. Can you imagine a camp stove that runs on Coca-Cola? That's me. Yeah. (laughs) That's my body. (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, I think that, you know, just that perspective of also like, it seems like on one hand, you don't want to have too much planning. You know, you don't have, you don't have Strava, you know, you don't really do all the, like the numbers, yeah. but you're also thinking about like, what are the things I need and will there be availability where I'm going? Yeah. I mean, you have to think about it in different ways. I'm not going out to Uganda to get KOMs, right? But yeah. I'm going out there to survive and also to thrive, right? <laughs> you use the cliche. You're trying to get perspective. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's a key word here. Yeah. I mean that really forced a lot of it and that's really come up a lot this year. Right. So I think being alone and I don't know if this is a topic you want to talk about on the podcast, but being alone and being a white person in a place like Uganda, I was the only, I'd show up into villages and babies would start screaming and crying. Why would I be afraid to talk about that? I don't know. Like, do you think that we filter? (laughs) Oh, that's really sensitive, Evan. Let's just try and keep it about drivetrains. Yeah. Let's keep it about drivetrains. Um, so yeah, babies would be screaming and crying. I'd get people coming up and like trying to touch my skin. And, um, it was, it was, it was a lot, you know, and five, six straight weeks of that every day, wherever I am, like I'm getting a lot of crazy reactions. It was, uh, a very blunt introduction to like racial inequality and how 
miserable it can be at times. I mean, that's what really broke me is like the writing was really tough. Don't get me wrong on that. But the emotional drain of every day being yelled at and screamed at was like really tough. Do you think you were not liked because you were white? I don't think it wasn't that I, uh, I don't think it, it's not that I wasn't liked some days, like, or some places it was, I don't know if uh, it was kind of like a celebration, like, Oh my God, there's a white person in our village. Um, but it, yeah, it was just tough to get that much attention just for my skin. Like it's something you can't choose. It's just who I am. Like, and then to come back here and then all these new conversations that are happening and not new conversations, but conversations that are new to me. Um, it's forced a large perspective on that and, and it's really opened my eyes and, and, you know, I've been going to a lot of protests. I was at a protest last night and, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know exactly what to say about it, but I know there's a lot of thoughts up there. I think it's, it's interesting, you know, you, you come back from that trip and then this year you've also graduated, um, and mm. you had some plans that kind of changed, but, mm. um, because of COVID, you know, you decided to, to buy Albert and mm-hmm. just kind of travel the country. And, and that also kind of opened the opportunity because there was protests all over the country and yeah. that you decided to, you know, start living that fan life that you were up in, in Portland, you know, yeah. photographing BLM quite extensively. And yeah, that was really cool to just be able to drive around and, and go to these different parts. And, and it's been weird to go from the very different extremes of what America is in these really liberal cities and, and be a part of these protests in Portland and in Denver and LA and San Diego. And then to be in like the middle of the countryside in Wyoming or Montana. And you just see how divided it is right now. It's so split. And once again, it's just continuing to force perspective. And, and now it's just asking more questions than it's answering like i don't know where we go from here but um this is a crazy country to be a part of right now and it's also been really interesting and it's made for some great photos whatever that's worth (laughs) if that helps anybody so i mean it's it's certainly documenting history i think that's an important aspect of it Mm -hmm. you know but yeah i agree i think I mean, I wasn't even on your trip, but I mean, seeing your photos and just, you know, staying in as informed, you can definitely feel there's a, there's a lot of hurt yeah. in the country right now. Yeah. And there's a wedge and it just keeps getting hammered in further and further every day. So what do you do when you are able to have this unique perspective that not a lot of people are able to go see firsthand and then you gather it all up and then does that make you cynical does it make you want to act does it give you ideas does it inspire you or does it just load you down with the weight of oh man i don't know lately it's been a lot of that especially like last night and today like i've been really just like this is this is screwed up so yeah there is part of that i don't know if the words of the burden but you have a duty to kind of share your experiences if they're not even if they're interesting, but I think everybody has a duty to share their own experiences. And, and right now, like, I think right it's more important to just be listening, but to be echoing too. I think also like if you're listening to this and you haven't listened to Connor's podcast, I think that's a really important one to do. His was awesome. Yeah. I'm still thinking about that. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm not ready yet. Like I haven't formulated all my thoughts and opinions on what we need to do as a country. I just know we need to fix a lot. I think, when I graduated high school, my parents asked me to spend some time outside of the United States. Mm. Uh, Where'd you and go? I did uh, South America. Okay, and 
as one of the healthiest things that you can do period is to understand that this country is so not like the rest of the world and that nothing about the American experience is default or should be taken for granted. And if you can see how different the rest of the world is, especially even just poverty and the different cultures, um, it gives you, you may not even be able to turn that into anything right away. Um, but it does serve you over the course of your life. I don't think I'm not twice as old as you are, but I'm, I'm 42 and you're in your twenties. So I didn't come back with like a bunch, I didn't come back swinging. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually was looking forward to coming back to America. I didn't hate it. Um, but it's definitely, I think just allowed me to have, to step back and appreciate it. Maybe gives you empathy. Yeah. Which is a super valuable thing right now. Absolutely. Um, empathy can actually motivate how you behave and how you respond to things differently than you would if you didn't care or couldn't see someone else's point of view. So going to Uganda or doing a road trip to the protests can make you a more empathetic person. That's valuable. Yeah, even if you sure. don't know what you don't even know what the return on investment is for another five years or two years or twenty years. It's part of you. I think that's a big deal. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know where we go from here, but there's been a lot of thoughts on it. I think that that travel perspective is really valuable, though, and it does suck that we can't really do it right now. That has been really cool about van life, though. I was like, I kind of feel like I'm doing an okay job at staying away from coronavirus by driving my truck around and sleeping in it. Yeah, with your solar panel that's taped on the roof, (laughs) stealing Wi-Fi and beer. Hot showers, yeah. (laughs) Thank you. Well, it's good because you're remote. Uh, So you're remote... Uh, technically, you know, you're most of the time not here. Uh, and most people don't understand how we work. Mm-hmm. And Soren is as well. He's in Oregon. So you were in California and or all over the Western half of the United States. Mm-hmm. And then you will continue to be that when you leave again. Um, people don't quite understand, you know, the coming, but it is super fun for us to have you stop here, get to know you because we didn't really know you. I mean, we didn't know you all the way, but, and then you get to see how things work around here. So it, it, on a company level, it's just super fun yeah. just to have you around and then gain a little bit of familiarity and and then you're going to take off again and we're all going to be watching. Like, where is he next? It's going to be weird. Yeah, you're going to do some crazy stuff next. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm headed down to the uh, to the south. Yeah. See what trouble we can get into there. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, I think it's, it's interesting to have had you come through town. Um, I think you despite your age i feel like you have a lot of character and that's probably through your travels um and so it's just kind of it's it's been i think you invigorated the whole rodeo crew and myself included um just to just to think and and be a little different and and have that kind of playful spirit on the bike and and be lighthearted. so Mm. i think that was definitely exciting and i know yeah I think we're excited to to see where you go next. I think you've planted a few seeds here and there for, for, for some upcoming trips. We'll see. Um, yeah. What's on your schedule for the end of the year? <laughs> Tell us about your... Oh, I don't know if I want to talk about okay. this one yet. Fair enough. Yeah, All right. I don't okay. talk about that one yet. Evan's going on more cool trips. Yeah. Um, if everything holds together. <laughs> it's a very tenuous situation. There's a very large asterisk in the room, though. Fair enough. Yeah. But I, I mean, I think it's also, it's interesting too, just from, you know, the employee perspective, yeah. of, you know, like what's your, what's your average day for rodeo when you're actually not an HQ, you know, like I think you were, 
you'd wake up on a beach and <laughs> you would help a customer build their bike. And then it's funny. Like that's the perspective you guys get. Cause some days it really is just like, I'm sleeping on the side of the one. It's super loud. I think a truck is going to drive through the side of Albert. Um, I can't find a place to, you know, fill up on water or whatever. We have no food some days. Like it's not always bliss for sure. Uh, it is a dirty way to live for sure. Could you maybe could you maybe show us more of the dirt bag side instead of making it all? <laughs> I need that. Um, Which is exactly that's the problem with the internet, right? Yeah, it's yeah. exactly congruent with life here at the the lab. Mm. You know, when we put that intern post out, uh, and then people were saying, "I'm willing, I'm willing to move across the country and work for you for free," which was more than one email. I think there were three that said that. And I thought, I don't know what you think we do here all day long, or like, and I, and I actually said, uh, you know, in the comments, like we're not that cool. Like it, it, the bike industry is not hyper glamour, and everything's just super carefree, and it's just a bro session. It's like a lot of really just brass tacks, detail oriented. Um, like you know, you get fatigued, you know, talking about parts all oh day long, God. trying to find parts and right now, delays yeah. and repetitive tasks. In I love my job. But I can be honest about like, it's not like the lab is like this pleasure palace, <laughs> like really cool bike stuff. Um, it's it's a business sometimes too, yeah. and when you go to work, you work. Uh, so I don't, you know, just and so van life isn't just a cruise up and down the coast yeah, at sixty five, like <laughs> like it's fifty five in Albert, right? It's exactly, and twenty five up the hill. Uh, yeah, that's exactly yeah similar to what I feel about. You know, I've, I've joked that we should just do a reality show about how it really is around here. That'd be um, so boring. All yeah, it is no, is me right. hyperlinking your Instagram posts. Yeah. Uh, no, and digging up similar pieces of information a lot. So, uh, but we do it because we love it. I mean, I do. Um, helping people build bikes is, makes me happy. Yeah. Um, so. If you get on a bike that can show you the world and give you perspective, I think we've done a good job. Yeah. Yep. What's your next question, Nick? <laughs> Nick had a document from Bay. I like I'm when, so amazed. I like when Nick, who is the host, just stops and looks around and nods. <laughs> <laughs> and we're like, no, Nick, no, like you. Yeah, yeah, you're you're you in the driver's seat here, you buddy. You tell me. Yeah, he's like, oh, shoot, I'm on cruise. Oh, I have a job. <laughs> it's a good, it's a good thread. Yeah, yeah, he's just hanging out. <laughs> no, I like it. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I don't know. I think after hours, since Evan's been here, we've been getting up to no good. Oh my but God, we've not been really, getting up to the worst That's not stuff. my next question. Yeah, please don't. And you guys finally you guys finally went on a bikepacking trip together. That was amazing. I think one of the major points of tension here was that Evan rolled up into Denver expecting like, all right, Colorado, blow me away. Mm-hmm. And then he was like... Didn't get it. He was like, meh, Colorado, whatever. And I didn't really feel any pressure. I don't need to like sell you. I'm trying to get you to move here. But uh, I think you guys finally went on a trip you enjoyed. Yeah. And I was like, well, I just relieved that you enjoyed and didn't regret coming to Denver. (laughs) No, I totally get it now. Like the fact that you can drive from here in an hour and then go climb a pretty epic Alpine summit, like, and you have options too. It's not just one. Like that's pretty rad. Definitely what makes us happy. And there's good beer right around the corner. And we're downstairs. We're downstairs. Yeah, that's all I got. So, yeah, I don't know why, but I think for some reason you didn't have that experience, Stephen, of wanting to impress Evan. But for some reason, I feel like I had to. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I think I did. You know, we, we did this ride in Boulder 
it it wasn't it wasn't a bad ride. I the think. road ride, you mean? No, that was the one in Denver. Oh, we did two rides, you're right. Yeah, so I, we did this ride in Boulder, and that was cool. It was a good ride, yeah, but it it, you know, I think it was just like it was a good ride. Yeah, you know, and then we did this other ride, and it was kind of this. It was know, all roads and. Well, no, there's definitely some dirt in there, but, <laughs> you know, we did this crazy pace and, and I could just tell, like, I was like, oh, I missed the mark again and I was not <laughs> having fun. Like, And I don't know why, like, I don't know why I cared. And then we concocted up this crazy idea of like, let's do a two and a two day bike pack followed up by an Alpine day. Mm-hmm. And I think double thirteen er, double thirteen er on foot. Yeah, I mean, one of them was the second thirteen er was a, an unnamed saddle, uh, just two hiking trails on either side. Um, but I think I finally hit the mark. I think yeah. I finally right on the head. That was showed sick. you what Colorado was all about. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I got to learn about something too, just like what is the what does the loaded bike feel like on mm-hmm. on a ribbon, a single track, and it's glorious. It's just it's heaven. I think I got the bug. Mm-hmm. Right. The bike so, packing bug. Do you think that doing awesome things bike packing ruins normal riding? Yeah. Uh, so this summer, it was kind of funny. I think I did three day rides all summer. Every Almost every single ride I did was loaded. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that happening. I remember when I went to Belgium and had so much fun, and I just thought about going back to Denver, and I thought, I can never be happy again. Because Denver's super lame now, and Belgium is paradise, um, which didn't turn out to be the case. But at the time, I was worried about it. But I can yeah. see like that if you're just going from really interesting, fresh experience one after another after another to look real life, pretty mundane. Yeah. Um, when I came, when I first started riding like a motorcycle on the street, I thought I'd never touch a bike again. Hmm. But I've separated those enough. And motorcycles are kind of too inaccessible for me right now that I still have to ride the bike. I'm glad. We get Evan a little bit longer before he goes to the dark side. And <laughs> Until I can afford a motorcycle. You know, a BMW touring thing <laughs> with the metal painting yeah. hanging off the side. I'll have a bike on the back of it. Yeah. I'll never ride it, but <laughs> <laughs> it'll be dirty still. I'm sure there's a motorsports company that would love to have you running customer service for them. Ooh, Harley Davidson. I hope not. Oh. But I mean, yeah. So what you do for rodeo, I think, is pretty interesting. I think it's a contrast. Do you have any any war stories of helping out a customer that you wanna you wanna that, share? Oh, I don't think I should put any customers on blast. Um, no, I do want to say though, like I know you're pretty keen on, or Steve is pretty keen on saying, like you guys are supporting, like I guess more your dream in a Who sense, is? like the customers. Like rodeo has been your dream; it's been your baby, and. Every time somebody buys a bike, like it's supporting your vision. Well, it's not just me. I mean, there are nine people yeah, who get and, to do this for a living. Yeah, and that's what I wanted to say is like, I've had the best summer of my life because of rodeo. Like, I couldn't have done this without that really cool remote gig that I work three hours a day. Cool. <laughs> no, that makes, yeah, <laughs> it makes me awesome. happy. Like, uh, yeah, I want you to enjoy it for as long as you enjoy it. And at some point, you're going to go back to school and get a degree in something or other again uh, and take on big weighty things in the world and yeah. leave the nest. Fix all the problems. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But at least we have you for a while. Yeah, so we'll it's, see how that it's goes. Fun. And then we're going to have a hard time finding someone who knows that much about bikes. Um, so. I feel like I really don't know that much about bikes, though, relatively. like I have to ask you a question at least once a day. 
Maybe there isn't really that much to know about bikes. I yeah. Think that that's the secret sauce is that they work really well on almost any configuration these days. Yeah. I, that's the biggest thing with every customer. It's like, do you think I should be 700 or 650? And it's always like, dude, you're going to have a great ride regardless. Yeah. You just have to go ride your bike. I mean, then you say, but seriously, you should get a 650 and definitely go two by. That's what you say. And also put bullhorn bars on it. And definitely jump it. Yeah. And that's, then, yeah. <laughs> put a surfboard on the side of it, too. Yeah. Bring, it to, bring it to Mexico. What's ironic is uh, you like two by, but you don't even run it. <laughs> I don't want to get into a gruesomely technical conversation here. <laughs> Are you pleading the fifth? I'm pleading the fifth, <laughs> yes. Fair enough. Uh, yeah. Cool. I mean, I don't know where we're at for time. We're at 47. Yeah, we're in about an hour. That's a great time. I don't know. Maybe we should just we call could, it a podcast and go riding. We could actually go ride our bikes. Whoa. I have to go put a new tire on that one. All right. On my demo wheel set. I'm uh, borrowing. I think that's the plan. Yeah. Okay, bye, guys. Well, stay tuned. Evan is definitely up to some crazy adventures. I know he's got a couple things on the docket, um, and you can always chat him up he's he's handling a lot of the customer service at rodeo and so yeah. you've likely already interacted with him if you are a customer of rodeo and he's gonna go if, on to great things if you've been asking about where your flannel is sometimes i answer that question and evan doesn't really know so <laughs> i don't know the, yeah i'm the only person who really knows where the bikes are and what comes next so don't get mad at evan they're floating in magic bike world they're almost here for sure <laughs> so couple more days guys yeah everything's fine all right let's go ride bikes all right bye guys thank you